Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,544. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm very revved up today and very excited to share with you a very special guest. He's a fellow podcaster, which is pretty cool, Chris Cluel. He's calling in from beautiful Minnesota today. Chris Cluel is a published author, a photographer, a filmmaker, road trip explorer, and I love this one, a prolific mistake maker. I like that because that means he tries a lot of new things. He works on his 1972 Porsche 911, another heartstring pull for me. You listeners know I had one of those. And the constantly changing carousel that is running through his garage. Chris has owned over 50 cars in the last 20 years, including everything from 10 or more VW Rabbits, a Yugo GV, a 200,000-mile Porsche 996-911, an E30 BMW Touring, and a Mercedes C43 AMG. He's a bit eclectic. In the last seven years of ownership, he's driven his 72 over 60,000 miles around the United States, taking its portrait and writing its biography wherever it takes him. And in 2017, he released Das Ziel, an hour-long documentary film on one of these journeys. He has worked for Road and Track, Triple Zero Magazine. Of course, we know Pete Stout, publisher of that fine publication. Porsche Panorama, more friends of mine there, Jalopnik, Octane, and many other publications. Chris is also the host of Overcrest Podcast, one of the fastest growing automotive podcasts in the nation. We'll be back in a moment to talk to Chris, but first a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars Yeah possible. We'll be right back. You know I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat protectors are easy on, easy off designs that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicle. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks. Their seat savers are custom tailored to fit your seats just like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn a lot more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark Green at Cars Yow sent you. By the way, I've got a deal for you. You can get 10% off using the code YEAH120. That's Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code YEAH120, and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car or if you have 200 in your garage. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get an exclusive SCM guide to restoration shops included for free. And I've got a couple very cool offers. 
One is if you go and subscribe to their digital subscription, you're going to get 50% off using the code CARS. Yeah, that's right. 50% off their digital subscription. But wait, that's not all. If you go and subscribe and get their print magazine and use the code BSH, you get $10 off. That's right. $10 off. Why BSH? Well, that's the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast that I do every Tuesday with Keith Martin. You'll find it here on the Cars yeah! website or using your mobile device with any mobile device podcast app, or you can find it at sportscarmarket.com. That's Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. Hey, Chris, welcome to Cars yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. I'm ready. And I, I, I like the intro. I was looking outside as you were saying beautiful Minnesota and it's currently snowing. So uh, <laughs> I, I might beg to differ with you on that, but usually it's not snowing this time of year, but it, uh, it definitely is now. You know, I love Minnesota and that's because I used to go there five times a year when I was working at a company called Griot's Garage. We printed catalogs, of course, and I would go there for press checks. And I'll tell you something funny and you'll laugh at this because I was living in Southern California at the time. I got there in the middle of the night in February. I'd forgotten to bring a coat because I didn't even have a coat. I lived in I lived in Del Mar, <laughs> California, and I get there. I have to drive straight to the plant. It's the middle of the night snowstorm. It was something like seven below zero. I get there and I'm standing at the back door of this huge printing facility there in Maple Grove. And the guy opens the door and he looks at me and he goes, are you crazy? He goes, you could die out here. And I went, I know, let me in, let me in. So that that was my introduction to Minneapolis. Well, once you get past like uh, 10, 10 degrees, it gets colder than 10. It all just Does feels it? cold. You know, 10 and negative 30 (laughs) all feels the same to me. It's just cold. You just don't want to be there. Well, I have a good friend, Steve Bernstein, who I used to surf with. We grew up together in La Jolla, California, and he... He went off to college, became a surgeon. He lives in uh, Lake, lives on Lake Minnetonka, I believe it is. He just sent me a picture this morning of a little dusting that you guys got. So yeah, um, don't you know it's spring there? Come on. Yeah, it's you know this April first is kind of when you go. Okay, the cars are ready. I've been working yep. on them. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And we always kind of get crapped on at some point, you know, in April of just nope, just kidding. So I can't drive my car anyway. It's it's completely yeah. apart. But uh, so it doesn't really matter to me at this point. But it is more of an emotional thing of having to watch it snow. Yeah. Well, talk about April and getting crapped on. The whole world got crapped on, and so uh, that is something that we're all having to deal with. But what I'm trying to do here is keep inspiring people through my automotive uh, guest here. And we're going to talk a lot more about Chris today. But first, Chris, I want you to give up a little secret. Sure. What's one little thing that most people don't know about you probably that i spend a lot of time gaming i'm a pretty avid gamer first person shooters racing games stuff like that Um, i really want to build a a sim racing rig so i do spend a lot of time in the basement with a video game controller in my hand you know i uh, got to spend some time with one of my guests chris constantine and he owns a company where they build probably the coolest race simulators on the planet uh just a fantastic company um maybe i'll send you one of those uh they cost something <laughs> like Please thirty thousand dollars yeah, no problem so, send it over yeah. have you done the vr racing yet have you put on the vr goggles uh, and done it it's insane i had to yeah i got into insane. a 190e evo 2 race car and i had the goggles yeah. on and i was driving and Without your brain wants to push on you when you turn. You think that the seat oh, yeah. is pushing on yeah. the bolsters. And I felt like I was shooting out the side of the car. And when I took the goggles <laughs> off, I had to lay on the ground 
and stare at the ceiling because I felt nauseous. I felt sick. But the experience of being in a car, not in a car, but in a car, and you're looking around with your head and you're kind of looking at the steering wheel and the shifter and everything. Wow, I'm really, I'm really here. And some of the models for the cars are great. Yeah. Now try that with an aircraft because they do (laughs) aircraft uh, sims. And I got to try to fly a Phantom 4. Totally annihilated, crashed the thing, died like 10 times. I couldn't even, you know, I finally said, why don't we put you in a Cessna, Mark? That might be a better place for you to start. Yeah, what's the oldest plane that you have that I can fly? Is there anything that I can just run on the beach and fly for like 20 meters? Is one of those available? Yeah, it was one of those little balsa things that has the (laughs) rubber band that you wind, like I had as a kid. Now, you're younger than me. You may not even know what I'm talking about, but I remember them in a little kit. Yeah, you bought them a little uh, sleeve of paper and you punched out the pre-cut wings and stuff and made them fly. And so. they had the little weight on the front that you'd slide on the front, the little metal tab. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you move it back and Oh, okay. Yeah, well, well, you're not that old. You're not that young, I should say. That oh, I don't know to be happy or not stu- about that, but that's how it goes. Well, you're pretty damn young from this side of the fence, my friend. So uh, be happy about that. Um, time flies by. Well, let's start with a mantra or a success quote. That's what I always start here. Some kind of saying that has meaning for you. So Chris, grab the wheel. So I think I had to think about this. And I think the quote that I kind of go to go to most is something that my grandpa taught me. And he always said that you can do something wrong three times before it would cost less to have someone else do it for you. And you don't <laughs> learn anything if you pay someone else to do it. Also, you know, if you're doing it yourself, it's like you got paid to do it. Um, I was just talking to a guy who was doing his brakes on his Kia, and he was sending me messages, asking questions. Not a car guy at all. He didn't want to buy uh, jack stands. And I'm like, well, you should buy some jack stands. He had his little thing on a piece of wood. I'm like, no, don't do that. He had me on FaceTime. Don't do that. He's like, I don't want to spend any more money. I go, hey, guy, how much was the place going to charge you to do your brakes? He says, $800. I said, brake stands are 30 bucks. So you buy the brake stands for $30. You spend 10 hours doing this. It's like you got paid $100 an hour to do it because you didn't spend that money. Plus you learned something and you can take pride in what you've done. And my grandpa was always working on everything. I don't think he ever had anyone help him do anything. He built a roof on his house by himself. He he had built he was an engineer. He built contraptions that would collect the lawn clippings off of his lawnmower. That was this huge mousetrap thing. And we always worked on the garage, in the garage, fixing everything. There was it didn't matter if it sat there for a week or three weeks or three months. He would fix it somehow eventually. And I think that kind of kind of flowed into me a little bit. I kind of have that in me. He is a lot more of a patient man than I was. I get frustrated pretty easily. And I'm not a tool thrower, <laughs> but I'm definitely someone that will break knuckles if he's not being patient. So he had that over me. But learning and experiencing and doing things yourself is probably the number one mantra for me. Well, it's important. And my gosh, yeah, anybody listening, if you're going to be working under a car, put stands up. Your life is worth it. It my is. My gosh. It is. Yeah, I, I just, I can't, I've seen people do, I've seen people, you know, counting on that uh, floor jack to keep the car up. Uh. You know what the worst thing is that people do that they think is safe is they use cinder blocks. And cinder, oh, cinder yeah, blocks yeah. break, crack, yeah. crumble, and there's been some disasters with cinder blocks. But I always have the, yeah. I have the jack with the jack stands and I always, whatever wheel I take off, if it's, mm-hmm. uh, if it's got a decent sized tire on it, I throw that under the car too, because why not? 
Exactly. Yeah. Be safe out there. Well, let's talk about this because this is interesting to me, the fact that you've tried so many different things. You do so many different things with your career. You're having a lot of fun, my friend. So I want you to talk more about all the different facets of automotive world that you get into. And we can talk a little bit also about the fact you're a fellow podcaster with your Overcrest podcast, which is really great what you're doing there with your uh, cohort in crime. So tell us what gets you fired and excited every day about crawling out of bed and getting to work. I wake up thinking about cars. I, I wake up and it's, it's, what am I thinking about? It's, it's almost like uh, waking up, being in the shower. It's cars all the time. And I'm always trying to think of different ways to create content. You know, I try to consider myself a content creator in many different forms, whether that's writing or photography or the podcast or the film. I'm always trying to find a way to put words down, put images down, put film down to try and inspire people to to take the car and get out there and drive and experience and explore. Because in my opinion, if you're not out there driving or um, it doesn't even have to be driving, it could be exploring new foods or traveling or whatever. If you're not out there exploring something new, then you might as well just give up on life. You should always be trying to learn something, experience something and better yourself and put new information into your mind. I feel when you lose that, that's when it, the downhill slide starts to occur. So I kind of started doing this probably about 15 years ago. And spite is probably the biggest motivator for me. And I was told by the local car club, you can't do this. You'll never be an automotive photographer. You're not good. You'll never do this. You'll never start your own car club. So what did I do? The first thing I did is I started my own car club and and of started course. with my first published photos and said, ha, see, I can do this. And what it ended up being is, I I actually really like this. And I started to pursue it. And, you know, it didn't always start out as this, oh, I want to, you know, do these grand things. I just liked cars. I like taking pictures of cars. But as time went on, I started trying to think, okay, well, can I can I make a living doing this? How can I make a living doing this? So I started trying to do everything. And that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm trying to do the film, the, like the Dazil film you mentioned in the intro was was really successful. We had 100,000 views on an hour-long film on, on the Stanceworks YouTube channel. And they had only like 14, 10 to 14,000 subscribers at the time. So they vastly exceeded wow. their subscribers. And uh, doing the articles for Pete Stout at Triple Zero is, is something that was kind of a leap of faith for him. I uh, actually was in contact with Christopher Kippenberger, who knew Akim Anscheid, who is a, uh, uh, he's a designer for Bugatti. He's the lead designer at Bugatti, Um, did a lot of work on the Chiron, on the Veyron, and he had an old 911 that he built, kind of a custom uh, carbon fiber, a silver old kind of backdated type of thing. It was really, really cool car Um, with only one splash of color on it. It was orange. And he told me it was that was the only color he was going to have on the car because silver is the only color a designer can tolerate because they want to look at the form. Anyway, so (laughs) I I sent a message to Pete. I said, hey, Pete Stout, Triple Zero Magazine, I really want to go write this. And I hadn't written a lot at the time. And I said, I really want to go write this. I really want to go shoot this. I think it'd be a great story. Head designer Bugatti builds an old backdated 911. You know, it's baked in that it's going to be great. And so I booked everything. He said, well, if it's good, we'll take it. If it's not, we won't. So it was kind of a risk for me. I said, well, I don't know if yeah, I can really sure. do this. But as with anything, if someone says I can try something, I'm going to try. You know, I'm going to make the effort. So I booked everything and uh, I find out that, well, he might not be able to meet you at the time that you can come. Maybe he can, maybe he can. He's kind of eclectic, maybe a little neurotic. You know, he's just kind of this designer guy. So, I, But I went mm-hmm. out there anyway and did it. 
And uh, it kind of worked out from there with the writing and everything else. You know, I've done uh, multiple features for Triple Zero now and the big the big road trip one that I did, which was a 55 page article about my uh, my trip out to Rensport and back, which is a big Porsche show uh, out and get oh, together yeah. out in California, at Laguna Seca. And I mean, that's yeah. kind of it kind of goes from there. It's I just find I kind of grab and latch onto these things and try to push them as hard and as far as I can. That's what I've kind of done with the podcast. Um, I've got another film that I'm going to be doing in the next year or so. Um, kind of a, I don't want to call it a sequel to Dasil because it's going to be completely different. But I'm going to take my 911 from Baja, California to the Arctic Ocean. There's a small, what? yeah, there's a small oh town called uh, Tuktoyaktuk. It's in the uh, Northwest Territories, all the way up on the actual Arctic Ocean. You can put your foot in it. And it used to be a road that was only accessible after Inuvik, which is past Dawson City, on the ice roads. I don't know if you ever remember Ice Road Truckers, the yeah, show. The show yeah, yes. the TV show. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. the reason that show doesn't exist anymore is because you don't need an ice road anymore. They actually built a road. So we are going to drive back roads only from Baja, California, to the Arctic Ocean and do a documentary film of the things we see, the people we meet, and uh, obviously the 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 car porn and the nature porn and everything else that you see while you're out there, all the beautiful footage. But we also want to try and yeah. get in touch with people as we go. So we're going to do a documentary film about that. That's kind of the next big project that I'm working on. You know, you really need to have a more fulfilling life, Chris. I just <laughs> I'm really worried about you because it just seems like you just don't do very much with what you're doing. Holy cow, my friend! In- incredible. Well, you got to reach out to a, a past guest of mine. Do you know Renee Brinkerhoff? I do not. You've probably heard of her. She has been traveling all over the world in a Porsche 356 racing. Oh, I saw that car at Car Week. Yes, I do know who that is. Yep. Yeah. I had uh, Renee on and both of her lovely daughters on. Uh, One is doing documentary filming of her mom's racing prowess all over the world. They just came back from Tanzania doing the race there. They got one more to do in the Antarctic. Incredible story. But this one, I can't wait to see what you come up with. You are having some fun. Well, no doubt with all this fun you're having, you may have met up with a challenge or two. And I always ask my guests, to talk about a big challenge, even better, a huge failure, something that really pushed you to the edge. But the real important part of this story needs to be with the lesson learned and how you move forward from that in a positive way. So take us on one of your adventures, all right? Well, I've made a lot of mistakes, and whether it's mechanical mistakes with car or anything like that, but I think probably the biggest mistake I ever made was using my childhood, and I didn't have a very great childhood growing up, it was using my childhood as an excuse to not do things. You know, I go, oh, well, I grew up like this, or I did, you know, this This happened to me, so I can't really push forward in my life because this happened to me. And I think that letting that run my life for probably 15 years really did some harm, you know, in terms of stunting the growth of my career. Um, it made me a very bitter person. It made me very uh, antagonistic towards others. And at some point, I just kind of realized, you know what? I don't, this isn't who I am. I can, I can not be that person. And I think what it was is when one of my, um, is when my mom passed away, which was kind of the root of the problem, in my opinion. And when she passed away, I, I, I kind of allowed myself to move past what had happened to me and all the things that went on. And it made me a lot happier of a person uh, to move past yeah. that stuff. 
Wow. You know, first and foremost, thanks for sharing a really personal side of your life. And that's why I love this question so much, especially when people kind of pull back the kimono and expose what has happened in their life. But more importantly, of course, the reason for this question is how they come through it in a positive way. Let me ask you this, because we have listeners out there that are dealing with similar kinds of things, and we all can make excuses for our lives about why we behave one way or the other. And it's really convenient to blame someone else or an experience, and it's not to diminish it. I remember my father teaching me about the word fear. He he taught me this when I I wanted to learn how to surf as a little boy, and I was really afraid to go out in the water. I was just, and and he said, well, why don't you go out? Give it a try. Uh, It's too cold, or, you know, this, this surfboard's too big for me. I was coming up with all these excuses, and I'll never forget this. He said, you know what fear is, Mark? It's false evidence assumed real. F-E-A-R, right? Sure. So let me ask you this. Share with some listeners out there what you would suggest they do to get past this self-defeating issue in their life. What's holding them back? How do they just burst through it? For you, it took the loss of your mother, which is a huge, huge deal. No matter what the situation was, that's a big deal for anyone. But how would you help somebody else get through it faster so they don't spend so many years keeping themselves down? I think it's just kind of self-acknowledgement that the problem exists because I think a lot of people don't realize that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if you if you see a roadblock or if you see something that, that there's a goal that you're not achieving, maybe sit down and, and take some notes and try and figure out why that is. You know, spend some time by yourself. And, you know, that might be part of, now that I say it, part of the one of the ways that I was able to push through all out of this is as I got older, I spent a, a lot more time alone. Um, well, there, you know, a lot of that is on the road. Or in the mm-hmm. garage, and the, um, when you spend time alone, you get to spend time with yourself. I think in today's in today's world, people aren't spending very much time alone. They think they're alone, right. but they're not because they're plugged into their phone, or they're on the computer, or or whatever the case yeah. may be, or they're rush, rushing and hustling and bustling to to do this, to do that. They got to go to soccer practice. They need to go here. They got errands to run. People don't spend as much time alone as they should. And I don't know how you're going to fix the problems that you have in your life if you don't talk to the person that. A, is probably creating the problem, and B, is the only solution. It's you. So if you're not spending time alone, maybe that's part of the problem. You know, you've given me a great idea, Chris, is I write a weekly blog that my subscribers receive. And it, it, it's it's not as in-depth as you would have to go with this issue, but I try to make it very short so people actually read it because we all get these things that are pages long. And you're like, I don't have time for this. And you give me an idea for something. What we're going through right now with this pandemic is forcing people to take a break. Mm-hmm. Now, that's something that's, like you said, we're all plugged in. Everyone's looking at what everyone else is doing. But to force yourself to take that break in life and maybe sit down, start journaling, or just talking with yourself. I do something kind of fun every day. I make, I take my neighbor's dog, Warden, for a walk, and I call them Walks with Warden, which I've transferred into talks with warden where i actually t- talk to the dog and i'm sure all the neighbors looking at me are like what's wrong with that guy he's talking <laughs> to the dog but it's a way for me to just talk out my feelings because the dog doesn't judge you it just looks at you and says i like you you're cool in reality you're talking to yourself and as weird as that sounds it's okay yeah it's it's, it's all right it's okay it-, it allows you to explore things that you might not explore when you're sitting there watching a TV show or on connected to social media. So you've given me some great inspiration today, my friend, for sharing that story. And I really appreciate you taking us there. And I'm more impressed by the fact that you figured it out and you've moved beyond it. So congratulations. Thank you. I don't know what to say to that, but thank you. Um, I think what uh, you touched on about 
this kind of being like a time for people to kind of self-reflect a little bit is mm-hmm. I think we're going to have, you know, life is full of contrast, right? And I think that there's this this ultimate capacity for happiness, right? And I think the more contrast you have in your life from, you know, the darker shades of life to the lighter shades, the broader that spectrum can be, the higher your capacity for happiness or to realize happiness and joy can be with the, with it, yeah. some of the more uh, upsetting things that may have happened in your life. You have that as a foundation for which to look back on and go, okay, this is where my life is now. This is where my life was gives you the capacity to experience and understand where you are. Very philosophical. Nicely said. I love it. Let's take a break, thank our sponsors, and when we come back, we're going to be talking cars. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, and I would love for you to share a story that instigated this passion that you have for cars, Chris. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew, you know what, I'm a car guy? No, I don't think so. No, uh, no, <laughs> no, no. It's just something just that born was that way. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a lot of you know, a lot of kids, just a lot of young boys. You got your micro machines, and you got your Hot Wheels, and everything else. And it's something that kind of gets instilled in you by you know a father or a grand. For me, it was my grandfather. And I was always working in the garage with him. You know, I remember the first time he taught me how to change my oil. You know, you you do this, you 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 fill it up, you run it, make sure it has oil pressure, all these things that you get taught. I think it kind of is this, it's not necessarily an epiphany, more uh, of a, as it is a growth, a thing that just kind of happens over time. And as you, I do have a kind of a, an instance that happened to me that kind of made me want to drive more and experience more and do all the road trip stuff more, um, which, which is more of an exclamation point than, you know, the gradual thing I'm talking about is I had, when we did the Dazeel film, there was this road that I knew that I wanted to see. And at the time when I was, you know, looking up the map, I'd always driven around. I'd driven my car quite a bit. I drove it, you know, from Virginia straight through back when I got it, I drove it to Southern Werther's which is a show that used to exist in Georgia. You know, I drove it all over the place. 
but I didn't really see driving necessarily as um, something I needed to do. It wasn't something that I, mm-hmm. I had to experience that I, when I wasn't doing it, like right now, when I am not doing something or planning a drive or wanting to go explore something, I get anxious. I'm like, I need to be doing something. I need to be pushing forward on this before this. I didn't, I didn't really experience that. And what happened was I, I'd, I'd seen this road when I was planning the route back and the road was called hogback Ridge and it's, uh, it's on highway 12 and it's the great American byway is why, or great American highway. I think it's great American byway and it crosses West to East. And I guess if you're driving the other way, I always go West to East. I'm always leaving. <laughs> well, I guess it goes both it ways. Go it's the a other two way. way. Yeah, it's a two way road. <laughs> yeah. You can go either way. And, uh, and I, I saw this road and it was called hogback Ridge. And I spent a lot of time with a little yellow man on Google maps. He's my buddy. I take, I pick him up and <laughs> drop him out on roads and he shows me oh, yeah. what's out there. So mm-hmm. I picked him up, dragged him on this road. And I went, wow, this looks beautiful. It's, it's this road that carves across this, this Canyon range, Glen Canyon. I think it is. I'm like, wow, that looks really, really great. You know, you can drive. There's no guardrails. It looks dangerous. It'll be great. It'll be cool. You know, it'll be, it'll be wonderful. I really look forward to seeing that. And when we woke up, it was, uh, I had been driving, uh, almost 12 hours a day or whatever it was. We, Alex and I took a lot of back wow. roads, so we hadn't gotten very far. We were just in Utah from, um, from Monterey. We're driving back and we wake up, and, I'm sorry, we wake up early in the morning and we're driving out of these low canyons and it's super foggy and I'm depressed. I'm like, well, we're not going to be able to see anything. It's super foggy. This, this is terrible. Where did all this moisture come from? Anyway, so we crawl up this, uh, these switchbacks to get to the top of Hogback Ridge and I remember the sun, we had time because we're doing a film, the sun was rising just at that time. And the sun came up and I looked over and as right as we got to the crest here, that it all opened up in front and it was just this beautiful, mind-blowing experience that just, I cried yeah. when I saw <laughs> this, when I, when I finally experienced the thing that I was looking forward to experiencing all this time. And I look over with tears welling up in my eyes and I saw myself superimposed on this cliff wall that was next to me and the sun was due east shining through wow. the car on this cliffside and it was this perfect outline of my car everybody takes pictures yeah. there's their shadow on the wall or whatever but i looked yep. over and i could see myself and it was just me in the car because alex was filming and i look over and i saw me and it was like this transcendent moment of of me and my car and this road trip being part of where i was and being the only one that was experiencing that thing at that moment and i remember waving at myself as yeah, I drove yeah. through this road that I had looked forward to driving. And after that experience, it's been nonstop trying to chase that experience again. And I've experienced yeah. it different times in different ways. And, you know, being off the beaten path is, is, is really special. I remember driving through Zion National Park, which is great. It's beautiful. Lots of roads. It's super cool. But there's people everywhere. It's people all over the place. You know, you can't you can't really enjoy it because there's buses and people and people running around and everybody's on their hands and knees with a camera taking pictures of this, that, and the other thing that's had a picture taken of it probably about 75 million times. So I started <laughs> taking uh, more back roads, which oftentimes involves a lot of gravel. And I remember going past Hogback Ridge on my second way through and taking something called the Burr Trail which uh, leads to the burr switchbacks and it's all gravel and it's not quite as beautiful as Zion. But I remember being on the top of this Ridge, getting out of the car. I'm in the middle of the road standing there and there's absolutely nothing. There is nothing anywhere except you, the car and all this beautiful scenery that's out there, all these cliffs and bluffs 
and uh, all the different layers and the colors of the geological formations that are around you. And it's dead silent. There's no sense of anything. And that's what I mean by being alone. Those moments and driving through those places, uh, they've really, really impacted my ability to think and and process and create. I have a little notebook that I carry with me and I'll think about things and I'll pull over and I'll write down ideas for writing stories or whatever. But those places are really, really special. And that's what, when I when I talk about the film and I talk about Take the Car and the articles that I write and I try to imp- inspire people to do these things, it's that experience that I want other people to experience because it is it is it is that good. And there's so many great places in this country to do that. So uh, once we're all free from this quarantine, get out and enjoy. Yeah, take the car for sure. Yeah. How about your first really special vehicle? A car that you finally got, you'd wanted for a long time. You've owned a lot of cars, so I'm interested to see what the first <laughs> one was. Uh, so there's two. I had the, I couldn't figure out which was more special. I had a, a Mark I uh, rabbit named Audrey. And I'd always want my first car that I ever really owned that was mine was a rabbit. It was a 1984 rabbit diesel, four door, baby blue, chick magnet. Girls loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. With all, with all, if you say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe some sarcasm. Had 38 horsepower, do a burnout in first gear. That's about all the fun that you could have in that thing. But I, I kind of started to really fall in love with that chassis. And I got, uh, finally got another one after that one, you know, they, they go away, you know, that one went away and I got a new one and I called it Audrey. And that was the only car right. I've ever named. I'm not a big car naming guy. I don't name every car that I've had, but that one had a name. It was Audrey. And I remember driving it and, uh, the corner of the block fell off of that car, the engine block, the corner of the engine block. I was going to say block. the corner, what block are you talking about? You know, the, the engine, engine block. block? Yeah, it fell off and just started Yikes. pouring cooling out of it. And this was in uh, happening on the freeway. So I towed it back to the apartment complex I lived in and I, you know, looked, I could see the corner of the block missing and I hadn't done a lot of, you know, engine work or anything at that time. I'm young at this time, like maybe 20 years old, 19 years old and, or somewhere around there. I don't remember a long time ago now. And I go, okay, well, I really love this car. What am I going to do? So we pulled the motor out, dragged it across the, (laughs) dragged it across the parking garage, heaved it into the dumpster because I didn't know what else to do with it at the time. And we ended up doing my first ever engine swap in that car. So that was kind of the, that car was the inception of kind of working on your own car and other than doing maintenance, right? I'd always done like changing my oil. If an axle breaks, you change the axle. But this was my first real, okay, I'm going to change the motor in this car. And I put a two liter, eight valve, 115 horsepower uh, Volkswagen ABA engine in it. And it was quick. And I remember my first car race ever. (laughs) Yeah, well, they don't weigh anything, you know? And I raced a Saab 9.3 turbo. And I remember it was a really close race, right? It was really close. And you're just rolling through the gears every five minutes trying to beat this guy. And he goes, oh, man, what's in that thing? It couldn't, can't be stock. And we talked for a little bit. And I kind of caught the bug for for car modifying from that. Well, I would guess so. That's probably the most most special car. Other than my, I had an 84 Mercedes 380 SE that I bought in, in, in San Francisco, where I went to college to drive home, I wanted to drive home, and my grandpa flew out with me. We had this big oh. S class, and uh, we filled all my stuff up with from college. I mean, this thing was jammed. I mean, it was full to the <laughs> ceiling with all of my stuff, and we had a little cargo box on top that we put on there that we rigged up to get you know even more stuff. And we started driving across the United States to come home, and we got to Yosemite National Park, and the axle broke. And this mm-hmm. is probably circa. 
2001, maybe somewhere 2000, mm-hmm. no, probably 1999, 2000. And there's really no, you can't just call up rock auto and get an axle or anything like that. So we actually had to have, I the, don't think they existed back then. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not in the form they do now, at least. And, yeah. uh, we ended up staying in the park for a week and a half with a prime parking spot or a prime camping spot. And my grandpa captain prepared for some reason had a tent and two sleeping bags with him. I don't know why, but this guy was captain boy scout had all the stuff we needed to yeah. camp and stay. They kept shipping the wrong axle. Yeah. They kept giving the wrong axle to fix the car. And so we ended up having to stay longer and longer and longer, but it ended up being this great experience. I got to spend with my grandfather driving across country in that car and I mean, there's lots of experiences with him breaking an oil pan in the middle of Pennsylvania and him watching me fix an oil pan on the side of the Pennsylvania turnpike while he sits up in the tree is looking down at me <laughs> and him Just going, why does everything off the road and you, crashed wh- into you? He was, yeah, he was, he was, he was way up there. He's like, why does everything have to be so low? He didn't understand. But uh, yeah, that's, it's been a lot of good experiences. Yeah. Sounds like it. Well, here's an introspective question for you, Chris. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself manifest as a vehicle, what would Chris Cruel be and why? Have you ever see, heard of the Killdozer? The Killdozer. The Killdozer. It was. A, I have. So this was, a, and this is, I didn't really know what to, what to say for this. I'm going to have you try to guess for me in a minute, but Killdozer was okay. a, basically a guy was told he couldn't do something. He couldn't get the permitting to do whatever he wanted with this, with this business. So what he did is to spite everybody, he got a bulldozer, welded metal plates to the whole thing and started driving around town, bulldozing the people's businesses that said he couldn't do it. So, I mean, I, oh if gosh. I were, if I was going to be anything, it would probably be, would be Killdozer. But for a car, <laughs> I really, I couldn't think of anything. I was going to see if you knew what is the most inconsistently running car that somehow keeps going, keeps pushing, and always makes it to its destination no matter what what the problem is, but it's still cool. It sounds British, but I don't really want to be a British car. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, that's interesting. Um, I think we should just leave it at Killdozer, although you don't sound like the kind of guy that would go out and take vengeance on people. No, no, it's not necessarily about vengeance, but it's, it's yeah. you know, it's a it just great doesn't stop. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. stop. It's well, eventually it stopped. Maybe it's because the guy, the guy didn't didn't live through the experience. Maybe it's a really bad, bad comparison. I don't know. But <laughs> but it's just when I spent a lot of time being told, especially when I was younger, you can't do this. You can't do this. You won't do this. You'll never do this. And, you know, you get all these people that try to direct your life and you finally just go, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so that's the that's the only car vehicle I could think of. Well, that let's, represented just, let's that. just use the the positive part of Killdozer here as an answer because <laughs> that's the most unique answer I've heard on this show, and I've heard a lot of pretty bizarre answers to that question. But uh, I like it. We'll just call you a Killdozer in the most nicest of ways. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right, so there you go. All right, well, we're entering what I call the last lap, a bit of a lightning round here. I'm going to fire off some questions and ask some very quick blips of that Killdozer throttle. If you can quickly <laughs> blip a Killdozer, I don't know. Not not written in one. Okay, here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? Probably. I don't know that I have any real personal habits per se, but I think my my lack of patience has been a good and a bad thing. You know, it's allowed me to try a ton of new things, but it's also held me back, I suppose, too. The the work ethic thing, I liked, I really like, you know, plowing through, like doing the podcast for 200 episodes has been really, really hard. So the work ethic has, has really pushed through there. But I, th- I can't really think of anything that is a, a personal habit. 
I, I really can't. Well, I, I, let's let's say tenacity, persistence, because those are two personal traits from many, many, many entrepreneurs I've had on the show, and I believe that's what you're talking about here. So we'll, we'll yeah, probably being right. told no doesn't yeah. really work for me. There you go. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? Um, I was thinking about this. I think probably Senna. And the reason I would want to talk to Senna is because I would want to have him convince my co-host Jake on the podcast that the 190E is not a grandpa car. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's always talking about the 190E being a grandpa car. And I think Senna, if I had, if I could just talk to him, I could finally convince Jake that it's it's not a grandpa car. But in seriousness, I, I would probably want to talk to an, an anonymous mid-tier forgotten 60s Formula One driver. Somebody that nobody knows about you know, can remain unnamed, someone who's dealt with a lot of um, failure rather than Mm -hmm. success. I feel like people are always like, I want to talk to the most successful person. I want to talk to somebody that kind of had to muddle their way through it. I feel like those people had a little bit more of an interesting experience, more reality-based, you know? I feel like you can take better lessons from people who have experienced a lot of failure versus the ones that have experienced a lot of success. So those guys, you know... Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, here's who you need to talk to. He was a guest on my show, Tommy Byrne. Uh, if you know about him, incredible driver, incredible Formula One driver that many, many people don't remember or don't know because of challenges that he faced in driving and self-imposed things that he did in his life. But insane, probably could have been one of the top, top great five F1 drivers ever and uh, wrote a book, Crashed and Burned which is appropriate to what he did to his life. Very, very inspirational guy. So, yeah. But Jake, the 190, it's not a grandpa card, dude. It's not. Thank you. I appreciate the backup. Yeah, yeah. Just stop (laughs) it. Stop it. All right. How about the best automotive advice someone else has given you? What would that be? I'm guessing it might have come from your grandpa. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that you don't know how. It's that you don't know how yet. If you look at, let's say, the, the, the best welder you've ever seen on Instagram, whatever, the guy's laying dimes, right? They just look perfect. There was yeah. a time where that guy picked up a, a Tiguan for the first time. Yeah. If you look at the body guy who's creating beautiful paint jobs and, and the guys that are restoring metal. And, you know, I think about Christopher Rungi quite a bit. And he builds, oh, you know, hand, <laughs> yeah, hand built. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> but there was a time where I remember when he first started and he was in his garage working with a, a, a Delrin hammer on a beanbag with a, bu- yeah. with, a, with a wooden buck. I remember that. And there was the first time he decided he was going to try it. And it's not that you don't know how. It's that you don't know how yet. So at least... Right. try. You know, I'm 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 currently fixing all the rust in the front end of my 911 doing a front pan. And I've never done any of this before. And as I go along, I'm learning how to do things better, and of course I'm saving myself money because it would cost a, a zillion dollars to have somebody with Porsche rates fix this thing. But I get to take pride in it. I get to learn how to do it, and now I know how. And now it'll really help me with future projects. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Christopher Rungi. He's an incredible young man that I had on my show probably three years ago when he had just bought all that equipment and started doing this stuff. For you listeners that didn't hear that story, it ended up being a two-part story because his story was just phenomenal. And ran into him at the jet party last summer during car week, and he had one of his cars there. And you look at where he's come. Me had a car on display at SEMA the year before. Phenomenal guy, so check out his story. Rungi, R-U-N-G-E. How about a resource, Chris? Is there one resource that's kind of a go-to for you that you would like to share? It's it's tough because when you think about resources, you, you you know, five, even 10 years ago, or you used forums, right? You could go on the forums, you could find every information you could ever want. Now forums are dead. 
So nobody posts on forums anymore. Photo bucket killed it all. You know, you can't look at the pictures of people's projects and stuff like that. So all the historical <laughs> stuff and the DIYs are all toast. Um, so the best resource now for me that I, if I have a question about something, I usually go to Instagram where you can reach out to individuals. And it's a great yeah. way to reach out to people that normally you'd have no way to get in touch with. You know, they're too big, yeah. they're too popular, whatever. And a lot of times you won't get an answer back, but a lot of times you will. And you and yeah. I try to, I myself try to respond to everybody. You know, I get a ton of DMs from people yeah. talking about their projects, what they're doing. I love hearing all of it. I love talking to everyone. And it's a great way to reach out on a one-on-one -on -one basis with, with individuals, even if the resources aren't there to have like a step-by-step -step DIY like there used to be. You can reach out to other people that have done it and kind of and kind of talk to them, and it's it, it's a great resource in that way. It is. That's how I found out the rest of the story on a 930 Turbo I own that I call my Orange Crush. There was a little missing link with that car, and uh, a gentleman found me on Instagram, started following me, and saw the car and called me. Turns out his father owned the Porsche dealership that ordered my car when it was new, and I found out the rest of the story. So uh, maybe one day I'll share that with everybody. How about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share that you've read you think is worth cracking open? I don't read a ton of, a lot of the books I read are pretty dry, kind of like in uh, automotive okay. encyclopedia stuff. I really like uh, Brian Redman has a book about his career that's absolutely phenomenal. Um, also, Hurley Haywood's book is also really, really good. Um, otherwise, you know, Triple Zero Magazine is almost like a book. You know, I think that's a <laughs> well, <re> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. it's a coffee table book, quarterly type thing. And there's lots of great stories, uh, great stories in, in that quote unquote magazine, which I think is more of a coffee book, table book that you get three or four times a year. Yeah, they're really cool. All right, Chris, we're up to the checkered flag here. This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car, any car in the world that exists. doesn't matter who owns it. I'm going to grab it and park it in your garage. But there are some rules to this game that may make it a challenge. You uh, have to keep it and drive it. It's the only one collector car you can own, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. So it's got to tick all the boxes so it remains in your garage. So what can I buy you today? It's interesting because everybody, I, I've gotten this question like, what's next? What's the next car for you? What are you going to do? What are you going to buy? What, you know, and I go through a lot of cars, like you mentioned in the, in the beginning, but to <laughs> no get kidding. my, to get my 911, I went through a rabbit, a Scirocco, a rabbit pickup truck, a 911 SC. And then I was finally able to get my car. Yeah. And I know it sounds like BS, but to give me a car and park it in my garage, you're going to have to steal the car I already have and park it back in my garage again. I don't. Okay. I don't want anything else. Uh, what I've experienced in this car and the places it's taken me and putting my kids on my lap and having them drive it around the block of our neighborhood, there's no yeah. other car. I, it's, I know it's a cop-out. <laughs> like, it's a total cop-out no, to your question. No, it's not. You know what? It's awesome answer. And I don't get this answer very often from very many people. And I interview people who have hundreds of cars. The I had a guest on the show that has over 580 cars. It's too many. The most cars you should um, have is five. Five. That's it. You can <laughs> well, maybe drive five. The rest are just, I, you're just got hoarding. a garage that's like 4,000 square feet. So it's just insane. But uh, 40,000, 400,000. I don't know. It's giant. It's just giant. But any, yeah, not 4,000. You couldn't put all those cars in there. But I'm, I'm really happy to hear this, Chris, because it, it means you work so hard to get to that point. And I had a 72 for some 15 years. My kids learned how to drive in that car. The memories, the car itself, I'm not so sad it's gone. Because I had my time with it, it's the memories that I cherish in those cars, or in that car in particular, that right. is so important to me. So I'm really happy. Maybe what I'll do for you, since you already have it, is you just send me the monthly bills to do the restoration, <laughs> and I'll no just problem. send you checks every month. You know, when that you're done, great. 
That sounds yeah, great. you can come visit me. We'll go for a ride. The, the roads here in the Pacific Northwest are spectacular. And I can listen to the wonderful sound of that engine, the 2.4, which is just brilliant. The ping of the door when it shuts. I remember that door shut so well. Just You're going to have to suffer and listen to a short stroke 3.2 that I built and put in there. So you're going to have to muddle through that if you can. What? Well, uh, that's okay. I'm happy with that. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that. The car is, I mean, there's no other tool that's going to accomplish what I like to do than that car. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, of course, no. I could be like, oh, yeah, I want a 73 RS. Or, you know, I think it would be fun to get a, an RSR as a street car and drive it every day. Of course, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. But but I already I have like that. I would I already have this car that has that DNA in it already. It's kind of part of that family. And, you know, I, I don't I'm not out searching for something else. I, I'm just not. Well, it's just not on my radar at all. You found the secret to happiness in life at a very young age, so I'm really, really proud of you. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> well, listen, you've taken me on a great ride. You've taken all of us on a great ride here at Cars. Yeah, I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. This has been great. Would you share us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that 72S? Well, I think that people need to, they spend a lot of time trying to avoid adversity. I think they find a lot of time trying to avoid things that are hard. But if you do that, you're, as I mentioned before, you're not going to find the contrast that you need in your life. Um, I think yeah. achieving the the peak happiness that you can as a human being is the road to that is filled with potholes and filled with contrast and filled with darkness. And But all of that can breed, uh, all that adversity breeds joy. And there's no nostalgia without knowing how bad things can be too. So don't run from uh, adversity. Get out there, explore, take the car. Don't be scared. You know, if something happens and you're out on the road, especially if you're here in America, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You got to flag some guy down on the road and have a great story to tell later. Get out there, take the car. Don't just, you know, it's a machine, not a Picasso. Use the thing. Use it and dare to fail. Hey, what's the best way for the Carshall listeners to keep up with you? Uh, you can probably just go search Overcrest podcast. Overcrest, just like rally, you know, you know, just like yeah. rally notes. Overcrest, we're available anywhere where podcasting happens. Uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, just like Cars yeah, wherever you listen to that, it's probably there too. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Chris Cluel. All right, and that's spelled K R I S. Yep. C L E W E double L. So check it out. Follow Chris. And you will be inspired just like you have been today. Chris, thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your life with me. This has been great. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Take care, buddy. Thank you. You as well. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!